I think it's um, a lot of being able to contextualize the opportunity for people and to connect with them with the value propositions of what can be done in a very realistic manner. Mark, I'm excited to continue our conversation, now hearing a bit more about your journey. Um, where did it all begin for you and how did you get to, to this point of being CEO? Um, what was that journey like? I was really excited about the uh, Stratus opportunity when I was presented it uh, upon the sale of my last company, LabSite, to Danaher. And uh, at that company, I was uh, uh, CEO uh, for over 10 and a half years built up an incredibly novel technology that has been adopted all around the world for advancing life sciences. And that's a situation where that's a laboratory tool, associated automation that is employed by all top 20 pharma, all the top contract research organizations, all the top academic institutions for hundreds and hundreds of applications that have had a significant impact on discovery. And when I saw the Stratus opportunity, I saw the opportunity again to have a big impact on discovery and uh, had the opportunity to talk to a number of my uh, contacts in the industry. And I just said, I have to be part of this team going forward uh, to drive this, to make it happen. My, my career's been all about building and growing companies in novel areas. So it's uh, laboratory tools, automation, therapeutics, diagnostics, taken uh, three companies public, sold two. Um, and these have been in areas where uh, you typically have been building from scratch or near scratch and changing behaviors. So these were brand new market segments and brand new areas that require a lot of lift in terms of building the company from, from scratch. So, so I, I love that challenge. I think it's really fun. Um, there, there's, it, there's obviously uh, fair anxiety that goes along with that, but um, I love looking back and saying, hey, I was part of that team that made that happen. So that's, uh, that's just how I'm built. From those uh, two multiple ventures now, and you've got the experience, anything you can share from, let's start with the funding side, obviously being able to make something like that happen, you don't do it alone, and getting that initial funding to, to move it forward. Um, anything you can share of lessons learned um, that someone else should know? I, th I think uh, having raised probably over $500 million in, in my career, um, er everything's unique. It's all different. And it all depends on the, the uh, particular external environment, um, whether you're dealing with a financial crisis in 2008 versus uh, dealing with our current conditions. And, and I think it's... Um, a lot of being able to contextualize the opportunity for people and to connect with them with the value propositions of what can be done in a very realistic manner. Um, uh, I'm the kind of individual that uh, likes to hit his numbers, if you will, having been in public environments for a while. Uh, so, I'm not the kind of person that likes to go out and, you know, ballyhoo. So you're gonna have this PowerPoint revenue number. So I'm a believer in building yet too. 
to move forward, you need a good team. I mean, to really capture that and build that, obviously you've built a few teams. Uh, anything that lessons learned as far as how do you find and acquire the right team members and build the right culture? You know, at the end of the day, it's really about the team. And that's a condition where I like to say I'm part of that team because uh, you're never successful without the confluence of everybody's capabilities. And I, and I think the biggest element to learn is the situation is we all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. The, the question is, how can you best employ strengths from individuals in order to accomplish the task? And how can you balance out uh, weaknesses related to the interactions with uh, the variety of individuals at hand. So uh, that to me is, um, is extremely important. And it, it's a condition where uh, it, I believe very much in trying people out, seeing what they are able to accomplish. And in that environment um, is a construct where a lot of people gave me a lot of chances in my career to, to go do things that may or may not have been on paper, things that they would otherwise say that, yeah, uh, Mark should be able to go do this. And uh, I'm a firm believer that it's go, go try people out see what they're capable of doing, see how they respond. Uh, so I, I like the progress that, occurs in that environment because there's so many times that uh, people are able to really deliver on, on those kinds of activities. Um, so it's, it's, it's exciting to see that. I imagine that uh, the team itself and the culture that it creates between each other changes as it grows um, based also the number of people. How many team members are you at now? We're at uh, 75, but you're spot on. Um, there is a lot. There are a lot of things that you do differently at various stages of development of the company, and probably one of the hardest things to do is navigate transition for folks who they were outstanding. They did a terrific job. They worked hard. They're great people, but the role has changed and the requirements have changed, and you have to find the proper environment. Um, related to what's going on with the growth. And so uh, that's one of the more difficult challenges that, that uh, has to be accomplished, along with the fact that you have to be thinking consciously about change at every step along the way. And those kinds of activities are, are ones where it helps to have gone through it a few times before in the context of not that there's a recipe book, because there never is, but more acknowledgement of you've got to continue to build to be able to scale things as an organization. You've got the team. Now you're ready to grow. When it comes to marketing, getting the first few um, customers and clients and then scaling from there, um, any, any lessons learned or, or do you have a most favorite uh, campaign or most impactful effort that you have found that has worked? I, th I think it's a factor of multiplicity of approaches in order to change behavior. Because when you're bringing something new to the market, that's a phenomenon where you're having to convince people to do something differently. And as a consequence, there's a whole human psychology factor associated with this. What I'm incredibly excited about the Stratios platform is the kinds of behaviors that we're looking to shift people to do 
are ones that they're doing today in multiple of the areas of their life. And as a consequence, uh, the barriers that are there to explain what we're doing and how we're doing it are much lower compared to if you're introducing some brand new technology, if you will. So those, those uh, make the task a lot easier. But nonetheless, um, it's a multiple messaging component that needs to be out there uh, in order to get people down the diffusion curve from early adopters all the way around to broad scale use. Your level of involvement on the outreach, where do you spend your time? Is it, is it more on the, the client outward facing side? Is it building the, the culture and team? How do you divide your time as a leader? I think it's basically one where it's about 50-50. And that's one where I have the unique opportunity with the connections and contacts that I've developed over the years to be able to foster more rapid adoption of our technologies. And uh, I'm always excited about that. I love science, I love advancing innovation. Uh, I'm relationship driven, not transactional. And in that context, uh, I'm well used to setting up a lot of collaborations with people. And usually I find one plus one then is three because you can often get uh, a much better and faster advancement of things when you're working in conjunction with other groups. So. So I love that. And then the internal operations, there's just, that's an ongoing uh, activity to think about. Okay, well, when do you need to get be a little bit more programmatic impact internally, you know, with procedures and other elements? And, and there's just a long list of things to do. Uh, uh, but I, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun balancing those priorities off each other. Favorite books? audiobooks, podcasts, journals uh, that you have read and are reading and would recommend? Uh, I'm doing a whole study on the experience of second generation Japanese Americans during World War II, the effect of imprisonment of their families and uh, their willingness to serve for the U.S. Army and make tremendous uh, sacrifices uh, in order to help win World War II. And so there are several books associated with that that are uh, personal diaries related to those experiences. And I think they're um, emblematic of people's ability to endure and people's ability to, despite ridiculous circumstances, to be able to uh, achieve and and to have an impact on society overall. So uh, so those, that's really fun. Last question I have for you is, what kind of technology innovations do you predict we will see in the near term, the next year, and long term, five, 10 years? I think life sciences is gonna to continue to incredibly explode across the board. Synthetic biology and engineering biology is gonna provide the next industrial revolution. Uh, the The world of really advancing therapies and diagnostics is going to erupt uh, with the new tools and capabilities. And so on top of that, if you lever in deep learning capabilities from artificial intelligence, uh, I just see just unbelievable 
opportunities across the board in life sciences, and it's just incredibly thrilling. You know, and that ranges from DNA data storage to new materials to, to new therapeutics. So, yeah, good stuff. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.